0: the thing that you say oh wait so, so then what do i say so I, let me yeah you can write it down you say um, I it's like you're doing a rock and roll um kind of promo oh, i'm introducing show. you no you're doing what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna take this little snippet and put it on somebody else's show in the beginning of their show and oh, it'll okay. be you saying hi this is jim hall from visify you're listening to jeff smith on vroom vroom veer listen up have a good time Stop laughing so much, Jeff. Something silly and funny. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, got it. You got it. Okay. Whenever you're ready, the recorder's on and running. This is Jim Hole from Visify. You're listening to Vroom Vroom View. <laughs> okay, Perfect. that's a hard one to say let me start again. <laughs> yeah. Vroom, vroom, veer is a little bit difficult to say. Vroom, vroom, veer. Right. Okay. This is Jim Hole from Visify. You're listening to Vroom, vroom, veer with Jeff Smith. So listen up and Jeff pay attention. <laughs> okay. Will do. I will pay attention. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit Does stop on the recorder. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm going to okay. hit stop. And then uh, you can't hear me for a bit, but then we'll start the show. Jason Troy, thank you so much for returning for the third time to Vroom Vroom Veer, and welcome to the show. How's it going, man?
1: It's going great. Third time is a charm, they say. Third is a charm. Maybe nice. fourth time. And, Who knows? Uh,
0: and I know you're you're kind of a little wiped out because you just uh, ran 14 miles, which is crazy to me.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, good for excited. you. So it's actually actually the opposite today. Normally I get tired, and yeah. I don't know today what it is, but uh, I'm significant. I have more energy. I've been Running and oh, you got runners high, yeah. But usually, I get tired. Like, no, I know you know, yeah. usually, right around now, I hit some sort of wall because I run You're about trough, huh? I actually I run a little bit later and I usually hit a wall now, so that's even actually more strange why I haven't. So, I don't because I normally take like a nap at some point on Saturdays for like an hour, okay, but sure. I haven't done it that all today, so uh, I don't know. Maybe I was excited about being on the show so much. Aha. <laughs> Thank you. It's there now you fired me up. So there Perfect. you go. See how Perfect. important your show is to listen to and be a part of. It's yes, nice. it's going to it's going to wake like you up. Coffee without the coffee. It's all the
0: caffeine and none, no side effects. I love that. But you might be a little you might be a little giddy because people like my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So let's catch up. So I think the last time you were on my show was around January of this year. No, last year, January of 17. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about you and helping out CEOs and their self-awareness. So uh, this other thing that you did was you sent me this uh, link to a TEDx video and you made up this game, right? Uh, Cards Against Mundanity. And I really dig that and I want to play. So um, we're going to do that. But first, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on in your business today that you're most excited about at Jason Troy. And that's Jason spelled J-A-S-O-N. And then the last name is T-R-E-U.com. So talk a little bit about it.
1: Well, a couple things. One, We're going to talk about the Cards Against Mundanity, but it's a team-building workshop and how to build high-performing and the most innovative teams. And And it looks like a
0: blast, too.
1: Yeah, it is. And I've done three years of research, and basically for any company, any size, even for solopreneurs, when you understand how to do this, and it's essentially free – What it'll allow you to do is increase all the metrics in your business and increase employee retention for $0. And you'll be able to compete against people 5, 10, 15 times your size and beat them in deals and Mm. market share and everything. And you can apply it also with your customers, Your suppliers, your partners, and you will build great relationships where they will charge you less, never Mm. leave you, Mm. um, or charge them more in terms of customers, um, and everyone will work better together. And it's something that I feel strongly about. I've used it, I've seen the upside, but I did a test case of this. Even before I started to work on this for an agency that's in uh, marketing agencies in three places. And over the last two years, we've managed to increase revenue by at least 25% over wow. where they thought that they would be wow. and dealt with some significant problems. And that and it's helped them do two acquisitions to grow the company. Um, and it's just, it's pretty much radically changed so their trajectory overall. So like this stuff, you know, works and there's been a lot of other stuff that's sort of happened along with it, but that was sort of the genesis of trying some of this stuff even before I created it.
0: So tell us the story about how you like found this. I mean, what were what were you doing and and what led to this sort of like it's kind of like a discovery on on your
1: it is. Yeah,
0: it is. I mean, I I think And we had a a little bit of a chat before the show started and, uh, and you hinted at some of those things that, that you discovered, but it's, it's basically about what you're calling psychological safety and, and Google helped, uh, did a lot of research. So talk a little bit about the story of sort of like the, um, superhero origin story of how you, you came up with this game (laughs) to take the companies and help them, uh, get more engagement out of their employees.
1: Yeah. So what happened was, is I was working on, I want to do a TEDx speech, right? I, I felt like, you know, it could be something that could be pretty significant, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do it on. I mean, the only generalized thought I had is I wanted to do something to help companies and their relationships with the employees and management Okay. to further, you know, the business. And as I was looking, I was like, okay, I follow this path called grounded research, which is basically let the research and the data lead you to the conclusion rather than have the theory and then either prove it right or wrong. Right. Good idea. So, right. So that's what I did. Right. I did intensive research and taking a look at stuff and I felt like I was going to find some really super compelling things and one of the thing, and, and one of the things that i found initially was i was looking at google and i found some research they did and called project aristotle and this project was basically google wanted to find out how do we build the perfect team like literally how do we how do we reinvent the company so we can increase everything across the board right mm. profit innovation everything and we are going to basically take this blueprint and embed it inside of a company, right? Wow. So to so make it they, part of the culture, as they say. Everything. Hiring, right. performance, like every decision was going to really be a part of this and their go forward, you know, look at how they were gonna do things. So they hired some researchers in 2012, and they looked at 180 different teams, and they were looking at 250 pieces of data. And they interviewed 200 and some people, like, one-on-one to try to figure out, like, you know, what are the characteristics and qualities that we need to screen against in hiring and also to take a look at our current employees and figure out who should stay or who should go or how do we need to mold training. Makes um, sense. Performance reviews, right, everything, right? So, they started to look at this data and it will really surprise the people listening what they found because it'll be nothing what you think, right? So right now I want everyone to take a guess at what they think <laughs> was the top thing that they found across all the teams. And you won't, you, you won't guess it probably, maybe, but, um, so like some pe- at it. so if you, you, have heard it, then you might guess that, but, so they looked and they found that if you have a team of the smartest people from Ivy League schools, right, like okay. that does not make necessarily a high-performing team.
0: Right. right. All these like high, you know, like the no. the, the number ones, right? Your high mm-hmm. alpha kind of.
1: No, so it doesn't matter where you lived. So if you came from Africa, you lived in Asia, you lived in the U.S., and you put people on team, that has nothing about it. It's not about age. It's not about gender. Not it's about not your about
0: your millennial or an ex- no. Xer or a boomer.
1: doesn't matter, right? right? They found that the only quality that was across all 180 teams and there were four other ones... And the four other ones were not present unless they had the first one, which is pretty incredible when you think about what it was. So what they found was it was psychological safety. Okay. And they discovered this and then they proved it out because they found a team afterwards that one of the Um, managers told the team that he had stage four cancer and they looked at the performance and it confirmed their thesis because the performance of the team went up significantly. Interesting. And so what they found is psychological safety is a fancy word for vulnerability, sharing and caring. It's the ability of people to know each other on a deep personal level, right? So it would be the same thing that you would do and know about people in your personal life that you care about, right? The second okay. thing is people can throw out crazy controversial ideas and it not only be supported, it's something that the group wants.
0: Mm, and
1: why yeah. this is important is because when you can do that, right? And I've seen this because I've sat through a lot of teams and I've looked at the highest performing sales teams. And what you'll find is this, when you have people throwing out crazy ideas, you tap into everyone's zone of genius. Mm. And when you tap into everyone's zone of genius, what happens is you start having great ideas on the table that the leaders can pluck out and start to institute or put them together or take a kernel of them and make something else. But everyone now is talking to each other. They're sharing, they're coming up with better ideas together. Because what happens in most teams is that doesn't happen. right? You'll see a couple of people doing it. So so you tap into that. The, The third thing is, People can ask questions without feeling like idiots are being made fun of or looked down on. And yes, that's, important. that
0: was the thing that I was going to bring up because the first thing I thought of when, uh, when you brought this, they started talking about this sort of like psychological safety idea, um, was typically, so I was in the military 20 years. Right. And my favorite story that sort of relates to this sort of like self-awareness thing that we're going to talk about later Um, and especially as it, as it applies to the boss. So I think we've probably, if we've had a job in the military or government or a corporation, and it's kind of like that old school thinking about like, I'm the boss and all all the great ideas are mine kind of mentality. um, Um, I, I remember like this Colonel and we won't talk about who he is or where we were, but, um, he like, um, he was like trying to like ask for positive. Actually, it seemed like he, he wanted to get some feedback about this mug, right? That one of his uh, subordinates went out and bought as a, as a sort of like a free giveaway prize for uh-huh. participation in this quality. Remember the quality movement, the uh, total quality management? They, they tried to inject oh, yeah. that into the Air Force, right? So the guy that was in charge of this effort Bought like a prototype, like one case of like 30 or so coffee mugs with a big old Q as the handle, right? And the Colonel hated them. (laughs) Okay. So, this is what he did at his staff meeting. He was like, okay, I want to get some feedback on these mugs. Does anybody like this stupid mug? I think it's really ugly. What do you guys think?
1: Well confirmation
0: bias, right? Exactly. So you're really asking, exactly. You're not
1: really asking a question. You're just asking a question to confirm your current beliefs. Well,
0: what he's saying is is you're really dumb. <laughs> and 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 of I course. want it I want everybody else in the room to, to agree with me that whoever bought these is really stupid. <laughs> See, so that would be the opposite of psychological Ye- safety. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, yes. That's what I was going for because it's, so it's yeah, not so what it's, we're it, used to no so it's having deep personal information it's raising controversial ideas and being able to ask questions because what happens when you ask questions is you're able to clarify information and make sure everyone's on the same page you clearly communicate expectations you make sure no one is mixed up on what they need to do or how they need to proceed and if someone is confused They aren't looked down upon because sometimes, you know, what we appear, we think is logical and easy and something you're clear about, another person is not. So, right. They found when they had, they, they, this is the foundational piece. And they did so much research and they went back through all of the high performing teams that they had. And they found that when you don't have psychological safety, you don't have other characteristics that great teams have. There wasn't a single team that did not have that. Right. So it's proof positive and they hired researchers to document this isn't Google people doing it themselves. Right. So okay. independent people go in and get this data along with them and come up with all this stuff. So, to me, that was a huge thing. And if you go through the research, too, right, you find that all the things they found are really supported, right? So what happens is, is that they looked at teams. Um, the, a lot of, there's a lot of research in teams where you hired – you got average people against superstars. And what happens is in this, the average people often outperform the superstars because – they average people work better, right? And and the teams that had they've actually artificially inserted psychological safety, like the average teams basically blew away superstar teams, right? So okay. you'd see things like, um, and the and a couple of the reasons why is one, um, that they found that when people talk in equal parts, everyone gets heard. Mm. And again, the problem is is that just like the kernel question, If if you're with 10 people and two people are the loudest people in the room, everyone's just confirming their thoughts or the leader's view. And what happens is you're not really getting collaboration and innovation and communication. You're not
0: getting like 10 brains in parallel. You aren't. You're getting two. You're getting two and then the other guys are shut down.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you don't <laughs> right. know how self-aware those two people are, and we'll talk about that. Most people aren't, right? So what's happening is you're getting very low participation, and then the other people aren't bought into this, so they're mm. not really um going all in and working near as hard mm. because they know that they're basically second class citizens inside of the group, right? And there's yeah. a hierarchy, and they're on the low end, whereas. Mm if you go in a group where people talk in relatively equal parts, or they at least feel like it, so it's pretty close that you'll find that that's the case. The other part of it is, is that the people that talk more equally also typically have more, they call it like average social sensitivity, I think, or something like this, but basically they have enough emotional intelligence to realize that I need to listen and I, need to, and I hear other people and validate it and question my own theories and do some baseline right. things that allow you to operate in the group more. And yeah. So- and
0: I would imagine, too, again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that self-awareness thing, too. Mm. But when, when, as you're talking about this, what I'm thinking about is part of those, like you got these 10 superstars. Right. Versus 10 not so superstars, but like have been trained in this um, psychological safety and they're more open to, you know, that sort of like safe collaboration. Yes. So they're going to work together because until uh, now. okay. so if you were able to train the 10 superstars in psychological safety, they probably perform as well as long as they played along right. Probably. But yeah, up until then, then they would be it- But I'll
1: tell you, we'll go into why that's gonna be really, really hard. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense when we go back in the self-awareness piece. Because right. that's way harder than you think that it is. It's much easier to do it with non-super average individuals. Right. Exactly. Right, right. That's why you have to embed it in the culture from day one. Sure. Because it's much harder to move people. The more smarter the smarter and more senior a person is and they've done bunch of studies on this, yeah, the more people overestimate their abilities significantly. <laughs> like probably right. like right. 95% of the time. So they are harder to move because they believe they're right. And they're right. unwilling to change that viewpoint where people wow. who aren't at that level don't have that resistance to change and resistance to not their openness that they could be wrong. Right. Right and we to consider that uh, proposition and they don't overestimate their abilities near as much. So it's much easier to do that. And that's like a fundamental reason. So yeah, so it's way harder to move smart people um, entrenched into something other than where they're at, especially to work in a team because they, you have to, that's a lot more work, you you know, it's, it's possible, right? With the game we're playing, it is, you kind of have to break people down and build them up, but they can't know what's really going on. Okay. Um, if they'll resist. But so they looked at all this stuff and they, there's a lot of research, right. And other things they looked at, like you can Google Harvard, uh, debate team lost to prisoners, like and okay. only could use books back in 2015. And then okay. it wasn't even close actually. So you, you can find all this going on. So the point of the fact is that like, Psychological safety is so important inside of groups to create because that's the foundational piece to get everyone operating at their maximum levels, right? Maximum management, leadership, communication, collaboration, innovation, and keep them there.
0: Mm. And when
1: you do that, you can take an average bunch of employees in a company and pit them against an organization with smarter people Um, and they will beat them all the time. And you can scale that by saying that if you have an organization of 10 people, they can go out and win business deals from people in a group of hundred or more, because you're going to get people who are able to go all in consistently and they won't go up and down in performance, right? So while you may have a hundred people, you may only be tapping into, you know, a very small percentage of all the people. And you're missing the innovation because the 10 people sitting in a company are all spitting out ideas and all fully engaged, all working harder. So you're going to get better ideas and they're going to collaborate and take something and move it way farther, right? Right. That's why startup companies can do things that large companies can't do and why they buy them. Because they can't (laughs) do that internally, right? Right. Because they could could wall off a company and create it, but they can't because they don't know how. And they don't even know where to start. So it's cheaper for them to buy it and spend a ridiculous amount of money than actually build it themselves, right? And after yeah. all that makes any logical sense. No. It really doesn't. <laughs> right, no. but that's another story. But it all goes to the same thing. So yeah. that's and, – and they found this and really tried to, you know, embed this into the culture. And if you look at other research, it all states that. Well, the problem is today is, you know – companies, they don't, none of them do this. Right. And it's crazy because Google published all this data. They have it all out there for people. It's all like, it's right. all research. It's not the right. but I don't know any company that has psychological safety and I'm sure they're somewhere, but I can't find them. Um, <laughs> the right. Core values. Right. Because it makes they, sense though. Yeah. You know, right.
0: It, it's, it's and, back to that. You know, we've all been in that situation where maybe you're new you know, or maybe, maybe you're not new to a company, but you're new to a team and, you know, maybe you think, Hey, I'm new and this is going to be different, you know, and you go and ask something that you think is a fair question. And then, you know, somebody gives you the stink eye and just looks at you like you're stupid, you know, like, Yeah, that's now now you're shut down. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Now you're shut down. Yes. And the other thing about it, too, that makes, you know, so we'll go through some reasons why this sort of works. And then we'll go into the next revelation I had is that think about it this way. So I want everyone to think about it. So think about the people that you care the most about in your life. Right. Let's let's skip business and let's go in your personal life. Think about that. Okay. So The people that you love and you really care about. Right. Think about them and picture them in your head. Got it. Don't you communicate better with them? Aren't you willing to compromise more? Aren't you willing to collaborate at another level? Listen, ask the for them much more than you would of a person who's standing in line at Starbucks that you don't know or think about a person that you really dislike, right? I know this sounds sort of simplistic. But when you build psychological safety, what happens is you start to care about people because that's your personal life. The people you care about the most, you have psychological safety with because you're sharing those things with them. You're sharing deep personal stories, right? And the key thing that people get wrong – and I just did a bunch of research actually yesterday about this and was looking it up and reading articles. Mm. People believe – And it is a fallacy, and it is one that crushes startups, corporations, I don't care what it is. The people believe that trust leads to vulnerability, but that's wrong. And it goes the other way. (laughs) It goes the other way. Yes. Right. So, with psychological safety, what happens is, is that when you open yourself and are vulnerable, right, that's when you share. And, and you and you put yourself out there and that's courageous act. Right. And sharing information. Right. But what happens is then when the other party reciprocates in some way that's even neutral or positive, you start to build more trust. Right. Right. So you can build trust really quickly that way. You can't wait around for trust to be built because then it's all it, there's no logical way to go to trust. I mean, because how do you do that? Right? Think about it. Right. You don't wake up one day and grant, and grant someone trust. And here's the problem if you walk into a company or you go to Starbucks and you meet someone in front of you and you say, you say to yourself, I'm going to trust that person until I'm proven wrong you're going to get burnt most of the time, right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yes. You have to, what you right. have to do is give them a little vulnerability and then keep sharing more and more and more. And that's how you build trust. And you can do this super quick and we're going to talk about that in a We're minute. going to play the I, game.
0: We're going well, to not only game. that, I'm going to tell
1: you how I, those the research study, that is famous that how I got this idea for the game. Okay. Um, that's proven and that's crazy, right? So it'll blow your mind of what's possible. <laughs> so that's the key, right? So when you, you've got to apply this in a business setting, so when your people talk about, and we talked about this before um, the show, is that you'll see people talk about how to build culture and they'll talk to you about uh, purpose driven culture, aligned values, you know, hiring for a scorecard. Doing all of these things, giving away things, treating, you know, employees in a certain way or doing whatever. Now, are all those things important? Yeah. But when I talk to people who love where they work, the things that they lead with is not that I am working in a purpose-driven company. Or they'll say, you know, I love that my company is doing this and I work with the greatest people. And I'm like, okay, so what really makes it great? And then people say, well, it's the people, right? Right. Everyone leads with that. So the key thing is you have to build psychological safety because everyone wants to work in a place where people care about them and where people are supporting them and helping them and inspiring them because who wants to go to a place where you're working for a place where you're in fear or you're getting an iron hand ruled against you? Right. That's just not how it is, right? And if you take this one step farther, and I was interviewing a client of mine, and I inter- a couple of years ago, I sat down and I was like, you know, I wonder why people work so hard for these people. So I interviewed people that reported into them. And what I found after speaking to like 50 some people, people don't stay up till one o'clock in the morning consistently working, right? They may do it for a period of time, but I'm talking about consistently actually stay positive and happy. The reason they do that is not because they want to make $10 billion or they want to go be CEO or they want to get promoted. The number one reason they do it is they don't want to disappoint the person that they report into or the leader of the company or their teammates, right? Disappointment trumps personal success for longevity and for consistency and for performance and for innovation in the long haul
0: Mm.
1: because and why do they do that? Why don't they, because they know that those people care about them both personally and professionally, and they all said the same thing. So when you get 50 answers that are all the same, you say to yourself, okay, well, then that has to be true because why are these people making it up? And none of these people knew I was going to ask the other person. So, you know, yeah. they have no way to understand this. So that's why all this stuff works. You create a culture where people actually care about each other. Like you would care about the people that you love. Wow. And when, right. And then when you think about this at another deeper level, too, if you're on a team, right, which is most teams where people dislike each other, they're neutral, they like each other. And then sometimes you'll find some people actually love each other, meaning that they love working with each other. Right. right. And like is not friends necessarily. Like is someone who values, respects you. And wants to listen and hear and collaborate and communicate with you, right? right. So, what I found is, is the teams that operate at the highest level and are the most successful are ones where it is made up of people that basically all like each other, because mm. most teams are made up of the spectrum of dislike, neutral, like, and whatever. So, what happens is, is there. People operate at their maximum and then don't and then do, and then you have infighting and people not collaborating and withholding and some people not sharing at all. But when you have all people like each other, that's what you have on the best sales teams, for example, like the highest performing ones. Right. You'll see the same thing happening consistently, right? They share ideas, they goof around, they know each other, they throw things out, they don't really <laughs> right. care, you know. People are sarcastic and the comments roll off their back like water off a duck, right? And it's like, and the leaders then take this information and this team coasts. But then when you ask the sales leader, well, why can't you take that and give that to the people on the bottom? They don't know why. Because they don't know that the group has psychological safety and they have no idea to recreate it. So then the bottom teams don't do as well. Well, I did something with one of my clients to show them The power in figuring all this stuff out. I took one of the lower performing people, put it on the team, and it actually took two people. And in the quarter after they got put on the team, their sales went up 30% to the highest level it's ever gotten. And they got no additional training. I told them to do nothing other than give them the goals, be a part of the team, and just let them and see what happens. Right? Like Let them be a part of it. Um, and introduce them part of the group, and tell everyone that they're them and one of us, and you know, rah rah rah, whatever. And they took off, right? Because they were a part of a group that started to tap in, and they did stuff they never did before. They worked harder, they communicated, they asked for help, hmm. they sought out other people for advice that they never did before. I mean, all these things that you would think, how the heck did they figure them out? The reason is, is because they're much more engaged and they care. And they want to be a part of a winning team, and so mm. therefore they're willing to do things they never did before, innately because they just care, right? right? Like you would do for the people you care about in your life. You just do these things, and you just, well, and you'd say, "Well, that's what you do when you care about people." Well, right. that's the same right. thing you do. That's the same thing high-performing sales teams do. But so the key concept of that. So. The second thing, so going on from there, one of the research studies I came across, which is just, it still blows my mind every time I tell the story, um, is there's a professor called, his name is Arthur Aaron. Yeah. And back in 1997, he was looking on a way to make fast friendships, right? Like, how can we make people meet each other and literally become best friends in by snapping
0: or less? snapping
1: your fingers. Yeah. Okay. Like snapping your fingers, right? Yeah. Now- it's Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, right? So I've asked people before I tell the story because I don't. I, I just tell them that and I say, so how long do you think that it would take for someone to make a best friend? Like, what what in your mind is like the number that you think that you could actually do that in? Right? You're, you're thinking
0: like in terms of years, probably is what. Yeah, mo-
1: no, that's people. what most people say, right? right? Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you and show you, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit in detail so you understand this. Because the reason I think why this study is so great is because a lot of the stories that you hear other people telling you, like, you have to build a great culture, you've got to create all these giveaways and spend all this money. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm about to tell you that's all a lie, and it's told by people who are talking at you, not with you, right? It's right. like, know your audience, right? right. These are people they're talking about it when you're reading Entrepreneur, Inc., Wall Street Journal, Forbes. They don't know... What I'm about to tell you, and they don't even look for the data. They just make it up because one of the things we talked about beforehand, all these people look at their success and then backtrack it and make up all this stuff, and people believe it because they look at them and think, oh, geez, you're successful. You must know. Right. Well, not really, because most of the people that probably had a billion dollar company could have probably had two, five, or 10 billion they just didn't build psychological safety. So they don't really know the upward trajectory they could have had. Mm. And there's no one telling them they could have had that because people just pat them on the back because they think that they're gods and they don't really question anything. Right. Because how right. dare you question someone who's successful. Right. Right. Instead, right, right. How do you building a company? Right. So, um, and it's funny because if you look at Elon Musk now in the Tesla and you look at how unhappy people are on the show floor, it's the same thing that happened at Uber before their CEO got in trouble and got removed, right? All the negativity. And I'm not saying it's going to happen at Tesla. Right. They're they going to continue to have more and more problems because they don't understand employees. And all they want to do is rah, 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 and hope that people bandy around them and when they, while they ask them to work harder and harder and harder and don't yeah. listen to them and show that they really don't care. Wow. But so – So this game going back to what is making fast friends. So, you know, 1997, pre-social media, right? Internet's not that big. So people- Hardly an internet. Very, very- Yeah, Yeah, very nascent time. So he tried some things. And one of the things he did was he got 54 grad students and he put them all in a room. Complete strangers, didn't know each other, had no idea who they were. Okay. Set them down in front of each other. And he had them play a game and the game was question and answer. And he had them answer 36 questions. Right. And they both had to answer them. So that's 72 questions over 45 minutes. So that's, you know, less than almost 40 seconds or less per question to answer it. Right. So you're not getting that much detail at all. Not, you don't have five minutes to answer these questions. So, at the end of 45 minutes, they surveyed these 54 people. 30% of the people who met a complete stranger, so just like you'd meet that person who's standing in front of you at Starbucks or your favorite coffee shop, right. 30% of the people said the relationship they just created with a complete stranger was the closest relationship they had in their life. They felt closer to that person than any other single person in their life currently.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: And they've replicated the study dozens and dozens of times. And like a fun fact is one of the original people couples got married and invited wow. everyone to the wedding. <laughs> for the original study. This right?
0: reminds me of like some, uh, uh, one of those like uh, self-help workshops that I went to.
1: Yeah. So it works. That, and the it, reason right. it works yeah. is, um, and what I did for this thing is taking it one farther. So I took both of these concepts and thought to myself, okay if we can get groups of people in an organization to play this, we can start build psychological safety on a team level. And what will happen is it'll spread. So the people don't even need to be in the same team. As long as they know everyone else is playing it, they'll apply this and, it, and it's true and it happened. And the reason is that it works like that is because when you start sharing with someone and I just did this at Ernst & Young and I had two people and I played this game for seven minutes. And one of the woman, one woman is from China, and a, the, another guy was from South Africa, and they told the story and stood up that they had passed each other a hundred times in the hall and barely said hi.
0: Right. In seven wow. minutes,
1: she said, "I'm amazed to see how much we have in common, how many similarities we have, and in fact, we found out that we have a lot of opportunities for our two groups to work together that we never saw." Right. In seven minutes, and they asked each other two questions. We can do it. Why? Yeah, Why is because when you can find similarities, you then find commonalities and you start liking people more and you're much more open. But oftentimes it's even deeper is now you find emotional connections, right? You, you see someone who's had loss, right? Someone who's had um, you know great joys that you've had and you create that bond with people. And now you find that all that draws you in and like Brene Brown said in her latest book, it's it's hard to hate people up close. So even the right. people that you thought you disliked, now you find you have stuff in common with them. You these can move someone you dislike to neutral. So yeah, yeah. right. So what happens is if you take this concept of question and answer, right, and play it in a circle, what'll happen is that people will instantly bond with each other and it just takes off. I had two people, one of the first times I did it, a woman said, uh, told a story about her mom dying. And then someone else told the story about their dog dying. And obviously they're not the same thing, but each of them felt deep loss. Well, right, right. both of them did not like each other and they had known each other for several years. Disliked is the word that people in the organization use. for I me, mean, not me. Okay. And afterwards they got together, they started talking and immediately afterwards. I saw them in the hallway and the next day they went out to lunch And, you know, I checked back in a few months later randomly and someone said these two people who totally disliked each other are now friends, like actual friends. Yeah. Right. So you can move people really far when you do that and change the dynamics and fundamental thing in the group because you have psychological safety and then people take off and they work. And when you look at innovation, right, coming up with brainstorming creative ideas, The best teams have psychological safety because if they don't, you're not going to get tapped into everyone's zone of genius. You're missing a significant amount of the lift, right? Sure. Right? And if this spreads across an organization, you then can create some pretty magical things with people and create instant bonding. And all it is is a game, right? It's simple. And now you can also do this with your customers that are key clients you can do this with suppliers and play it with them and Let's have play. fun. And then what happens is.
0: So how, uh, if we, we were to them. play on the podcast, how would it work?
1: Well, we just read a question and answer it. It's simple. There's no, <laughs> The great thing about it is you can tell people the why behind it. doesn't really matter. It, like I'm right, doing it. Right, right, yeah. But it doesn't matter to get buy-in. Right. So yeah. I do it with people in a workshop because I think it helps them institute it across the company. Yeah. But you can do it with people without them knowing. right? So, for wow. instance, I've had people contact me who were members on a team whose manager was not really that amenable to playing it. And I was like, okay, well, here's how you get around it. You invite people out to lunch and you don't need to pay for it. And you say, hey, I got a game to play. Let's go play it. And what will happen is, is that you will create it without them knowing it and it will all happen for you. right? You don't wow. need to do it and tell them why people love playing this game because it's a <laughs> question and answer. And here's the other thing about it too. So the other the kickback I, or pushback I got initially on this was, well, what happens if people know each other, right? Like what happens? I've worked with people for five or 10 years. So I gave this game 10 to 10 people that knew each other for 20 plus years. Half of them had been married and were happily married at that point, And 20 of them were best friends, like best friends who knew each other inside and out. Mm. So they say, All 10 people told me after they played this for an hour that they learned substantial things that changed their relationship and they wish that they would have known this. And the reason that it works in that situation is you're never going to go up to someone or most people, 99.9999, won't go up to someone they know and ask them a random question which you could pick out of this game and, and it would say to you, if you could pick one year of your life to do over, which one would it be and why? Right. Well, you that's a really telling question that you learn a lot about someone. But why wouldn't you ask that to someone? Because our brains are wired for negativity because they're wired for survival. So when people ask you questions like that, you're immediately thinking yourself, why is that person asking it? What do they want from me and what are they trying to get? Right. Well, the problem with all that is that, you know, then they're not going to either give you a straight answer, probably, or not tell you the full truth. But if a card says it to you, right? <laughs> yes. Completely anonymous. Right. There's no yeah. your your survival brain does not go in survival mode because, because why? you're just playing because a game. You're playing a game and you know yeah. it's random and they're right. not picking it out. You're yeah. just it's just random picking it up. So you just answer it. Your brain does not go into fight or flight when it is. But if right. someone's asking you it, it automatically does. Because it's an odd question that's going into a vulnerable place and in order to keep you safe, right, all the caveman stuff goes back in our reptilian brain and stops all this stuff. So you don't do this. So that's why this works so well and it can work so fast. And it's an easy way to do this with people. Um, to create high-performing, innovative teams. And again, it's free, right? You can down, We'll show you to download the game, and it's essentially yeah. free, and all the stuff is the same, right? And so the other thing that I can tell you that I did too, uh, which is a similar thing, is I've had people start off meetings where they come in and they take a picture and they show it to everyone. Something is meaningful, right? And they explain what the picture is about, who's in it, and why it matters to them. And if you do that in weekly meetings for probably three to four weeks, and I've had executive teams do this, I've had boards do this, I've had any teams, what will happen is is that people will get excited to come to the meetings, engagement will go up, collaboration, communication, and people will want to work way harder. And in fact, the Surgeon General, the last one, I I read a couple months ago, he wrote an article and one of the things he did something similar and it said it revolutionized his team because they were not performing as well. And after he did that, they were performing exponentially better than they did before because people got to know each other on a deep personal level and they cared and they voted of all the meetings that they had, that his meeting was the one that they looked forward to the most. Right. So the five or 10 minutes that they did this, they got back more productivity than ever before in the other 50 minutes because people were completely tapped in. So you could pl- you do stuff like that on a quarterly basis. You- amazing what you can do over a year, year and a half in a business to totally transform it. And it's all free, no cost to do, right? right, right. But you have to do this. So we can... Well, we can even show you, and we can even play it. Yeah, so let's play. So if you,
0: well. you, yeah, you, um, if you said like, uh, do you want me to pick a, a card first, you, or you, you pick, you pick a card? Do you want me to pick a blue card or a, a pink? I'll card? pick a
1: blue card. Pick oh. any blue card, and we'll just both answer it cause for okay, of, sure. So.
0: Okay, I kind of like this one. I, I know I'm I'm kind of cheating because I've been looking at them for a while. <laughs>
1: Pick Cause it's supposed to
0: be random, right? But I'm cheating. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in your life, what has been your biggest blessing in disguise? I've got so a lot of going, those.
1: You've been thinking about it. One, one, I've a got a
0: lot, lot of those. Um, oh man, what's my favorite? <laughs> my biggest blessing in disguise. Oh, uh, shoots. Um, Oh, oh man. I, I know this was, this is a, a question that I used to ask all the time on my podcast. Uh-huh. So I have spent a lot of time thinking about it, but the thing about the blessing in disguise is, is they're hard to formulate into a nice bucket of, uh, well, just
1: pick the first one. Okay. That comes the first
0: one that comes to my mind. Okay. And I'll, I'll make it brief, but, um, I got sort of like put in charge of making funny videos for a big sort of like military party when I was in uh, LA Air Force Base, right? And the whole time that I, that, I, that I was involved in this making funny video project, I was like scared and didn't want to do it. <laughs> okay. And that, um, you know, I never tried to get out of a, doing a stupid thing more in my life than that project, right? So at some point then, I totally just um, embraced it. And in the end, I had um, a really good time, not only making the videos, which came out amazing and really funny, um, uh, but I also, the, uh, the boss, the colonel of the, uh-huh. of the unit, That's awesome. actually asked me to, be, to act out a skit, right, where I got to dress up like a um I was dressed up like a, a stormtrooper but I was actually a Jedi in disguise for the skit. And then so I instead of having to wear Air Force formal wear to this big Air Force formal party, I was uh-huh. wearing a star trooper costume. <laughs> stormtrooper from Star Wars okay. costume. It was amazing. Yes. So that was that was the, uh, uh, a fun blessing in disguise because it started out as this, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this. This sucks to this thing that turned out really amazing. Yeah. Is that, well, does that
1: fit? Yeah. You know, okay, good. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it's really, uh, I tell you that a recent one was that I was dating someone for a few months and she was doing, she had done a lot of running and hadn't done as much. And it got me thinking that I really needed to have a personal goal. So uh, we broke up and that's, you know, fine. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to go running and I am going to my goal in one year. is going to be to try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And I had never run over five miles straight ever in my life. And this is back in early November of last year of 2017. So, you know, right at Thanksgiving time I did my first run of like nine miles around a lake near me and uh, I mean I did it in like 10 minutes or a mile or something like that and I was like oh my god so hard I'll never be able to do that and you know go fast forward almost five months now I'm running and have been consistently for a while 40 miles wow every week and I've run three half marathons, and you know my fastest one so far has been an hour and forty-two minutes, and it's like seven forty-seven mile pace. And I've got Chicago Marathon in October. I'm doing the Philadelphia Marathon in right before Thanksgiving, and then the Dallas Half Marathon um in early December. Um, wow. you know, and more on the way. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing because if I wouldn't have had that, I don't, the person I met, I may not have thought about doing this and really looking at another personal goal, but uh, and I've met all these great people, right? So all this awesome things have happened. So it's, uh,
0: that is, that's a huge blessing in guy's.
1: <laughs> Cause I mean, it, all right, pick one more. Okay. And then we'll, Do you
0: want a blue one or a pink one?
1: Blue one. Okay. Let's see. Let's pick any random one just go scroll down and pick up. describe
0: whatever. your biggest failure in business career what lesson did you learn from it
1: all right you're up you read it you got it
0: okay describe your biggest failure in business or career and what did i learn from it uh man um so i don't know what i learned but i'll tell you the uh, i'll tell you the story and maybe we'll learn what i learned so my biggest failure that uh, that bothers me still today was I failed to do um, a bag check when I was a unit deployment manager during a big military inspection and because I failed to do that that uh, equipment bag check um, it basically it the it it just sort of like, made everybody in the unit look bad for the inspection. Um, it made me, you know, it, it, the person that I failed was, you know, like a friend of mine, uh, and I didn't help her succeed. Um, and I could have, you know, um, and obviously I don't think I've ever seen a boss, more angry <laughs> with me after I, I um, failed to do that bag check. So, um you know, it was one of those things where I, I knew it was almost like I knew it was coming for a year and it still happened anyway. Have you, so um, I guess it's like, I, I learned that regardless of the situation, you always have to be looking out for these blind spots. Even when you think, you know, you have all your bases covered, you need to somehow be looking for blind spots. Uh, cause it definitely just got me. It was like, I trusted, trusted this person and I failed them all at all at the same time. So that's my big failure.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think because there's all there's so many. It's like hard I to know pick. there's like, so many, to pick, right? To pick really which one, to like go and to to do. Um, you know, I think is I had a business partner before this iteration of my business, and I trusted this person way too much without doing as much due diligence, and he preyed upon me as more of a sociopath and I didn't really understand all the stuff at the time and per- prayed into my weak spots, but I allowed it. And I think I had to take a lot of accountability because although I felt victimized, I had choices. I wasn't in shackles, right? In a prison. Right. So right. Consciously make a choice. And so it, took a lot of time and probably a lot of wasted time. And then there were other things that went on too. It was a lawsuit and all the rest of the stuff that I had to do. And wow. I, it just was, you know, was a seven, you know, six figures of money that I ended up losing and had to settle for what, pennies on it. Um, Cause there was no assets I could attach to that he had. So th- I, I learned a hard lesson that, you know, you got to go it alone. And the reason I probably didn't do it is I didn't trust myself enough and that lack of trust got me in that situation. So I think the, my lesson was: whenever you decide to be Robin in your life, things will not go well. You have to step in and being Batman, and it'll eventually work out. Wow,
0: <laughs> that's a good lesson. I like that. Wow. Yeah. You want so to? So I
1: hope people. I hope people got to that, and so. That's when the idea. you're doing this, right, we're doing this together, right? So we learned a lot of stuff about each other that we wouldn't have never had known, right? By right. Playing, By You can imagine if you're sitting around, and what I told people to play the game is it's in groups of four to 15, you you answer three questions a piece. You could do more, right, if you're in a right. smaller group. And, and if you have more time. Yeah, and you take two minutes each, no more to answer questions, and you keep a timekeeper to keep people on track. And right. And then... You, at the end, you have everyone go around and say three things that they learned in one minute um, about different people, right? So you, you're you going to publicly talk about three people in the group and what things you learned, right? And that also solidifies it to people because they have to listen, right? They have right. to be engaged in order to do that or they're going to look like an idiot, right? So. Um, but everyone feels good because they're publicly acknowledged by other people for the things that they have said. Right. And that's it, right? That's the magic because then you go off at that point and you obviously follow it up, but it starts to build a lot of vulnerability, which builds more trust. Right. And it gives you an amazing building block that you could never get to because just like the information we shared now, you couldn't ever do that normally. So the only other way that th- this this would happen, right, is if a tragedy hits and you're in a vulnerable place and you start sharing, right? Right. That's it. That's mm. what will happen, right? Or if you have some crazy great thing happen that's out of this world and you decide to open up. Because right. what happens with vulnerability is when you're vulnerable, it tells other people it's safe to share with them. Right. So when you do that in a group, everyone is telling you over and over at least three times it's safe to share with me it's safe to share with me and then you know what happens you'll share with them outside of the group and you'll find the team meetings will go better you'll find people will care about each other more you'll find all of these things starting to happening right um now it is always better if the leader buys into this right and it also is more challenging if the person running the company doesn't buy into this but even at a team level you can significantly increase performance even if the company doesn't buy in it because everyone in the team will and they will operate and do things differently now it's going to cause more challenges because you'll get resistance in other people right right but you'll be able to open up and work with them better so what you'll find is the team who does it even if the overall organization doesn't support it is that team who does it will have better relationships with everyone that they touch, because they'll be much more vulnerable and they'll know how to communicate with them, so that your relationships will be different than other people in the company will have with that same person. So right. that's amazing. Right when, you, right when you put this all together, it works. Like it will be, it's transformative. So I told people, you know, the research is out there. It's all based on science. It's all based on smart people. Based on how human beings treat each other it's logical, it's behavior, it's psychology. And if you apply it, you're off to the races. So. Yeah. It's,
0: it's amazing. And you're, uh, and you're planning to make uh, a physical set of cards too.
1: Yeah. I'm more work on it. I met someone at Amazon that actually oh, wow. I'm doing this for, and they're they putting me in touch with the Amazon game people in order to figure out how to create it. And I don't know what that means. I mean, they might just tell me to do this and do that. And then that's it. But at least I'll have an idea how to put it and put it in a it, box and market it up there yeah. yeah at least i can get it from the people that are there versus just randomly talking to someone else who made you know designer or someone else i'll get it right from you know the horse's mouth proverbial sure, right sure
0: that'd be cool i'm yeah. i'm interested because it would be i think it would be fun if this uh this was in a box you know
1: no, totally, and I've gotten that feedback. So that's yeah, not, yeah. I, and I knew that, it, and I knew that that would be the next step. But it's like you got to prove out a model first. It's like, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, you Look. can you can do it right now. I mean, it's just a little bit. Um, you know, you just print out, print a, print, in, print everything out, and that's not hard. You know,
1: no, 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 not at all. Yeah, it's all set up to cut it out and everything. Right, else. right,
0: yeah. So yeah. let's talk before we uh, before we wrap up. Uh, we're getting close because you gotta you've got to go. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about this, uh, this self-awareness. We might need to table the bulk of the discussion. like Yeah, we'll probably show. do that. But, but yeah. the key
1: thing about self-awareness is, and, and this goes to leadership, management, and why organizations underperform, which is the team's part of it, but now we're going to go to the individual. And the problem is, is that your blind spots and historical patterns are sabotaging your current success. And mm. that is not, that's everybody, but. That, that's not Jeff, that's not Jason. That's every single person For that sure. is alive today that has not gone through a process of deep self-inquiry. Right. And what, so what happens is, is that your social, your self-awareness dictates your level of social awareness, like what you're aware of going out external to you and how you evaluate situations, you read things, um, how you can react to them. All of that is dictated by your internal self-awareness. Now, there are some people, right, that a skill can hide a lack of self and social awareness, right? So for instance, there are great salespeople that are horrible managers, right? Right. And they hide. They are really good at the skill of selling, but Mm -hmm. they don't have necessarily self or social awareness.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So what happens is, is that someone who had higher self-awareness would have higher social awareness. So even if they weren't a good manager in the beginning, they would seek out help. They would get better very quickly. Because they'd be able to evaluate the situation, they'd read what's going on, they'd see they weren't doing well, and they'd make changes, and you'd see performance go up pretty quickly. That's just how people react because their emotional intelligence is up, because they understand their own emotions and how it affects other people, right? So they'll change things when they see people are unhappy, or they're not motivated or whatever, right? They can evaluate it. Yeah. But but the problem on self-awareness is that they've done tons of studies on this, and One of the studies I read is that, you know, recently is only 10 to 15 percent of the population um, is self-aware, meaning they did it for managers and then senior level managers, too. And they did it for 5,000. I think it's
0: especially appropriate for the senior level managers.
1: Right. But the problem is (laughs) is that while only 10 to 15 people are self-aware. 95 percent of the people believe they are self-aware. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. So that's, so that's the problem. And yeah. another piece of data study was before that 17% of women are self-aware only 4% of men are, which wow. is totally in line with what I do for a living and what I see for a lot of reasons. So that's a huge problem is people's self-awareness is so low. Right. Now here's the problem that go along with it. So the more experienced And the more senior and the more powerful a manager is, the more they significantly overestimate their abilities. And they did a research thing with 3,000 managers and senior-level managers on this. And they found that out of the 19 out of 20 categories, um, senior-level managers overestimated their abilities significantly in things like leadership, management ability, transparency, listening um, relationship building significantly, not a little bit. So they didn't way off, right? (laughs) At 19 out of 20, not, not half, almost all of them. Right. So it tells you, and there's a lot of reasons, but that lack of self-awareness is what's holding you back. Mm. So when I go into a client, and they tell me something, and I'll give you an example of something. So I went in a couple months ago, and this is a pretty common one. So CEO said, my you know, executive team, you know they're performing all right, but I know they can do better, and I don't know what's going on really. I think I have some suppositions, but I want someone to go in and figure out if they're right or not. right? And because I assume people's self-awareness is not great, I kind of discount that. So what I did was I talked to his executive team, for like five minutes, no more. And I asked a couple questions and they basically said, he's not listening, not taking our input, whatever it is, right? So if you go, if I went to that person and I, and I went to the CEO and I said to him, look, you're not listening and this is the feedback I'm getting. What that person will do, and this is how leadership training development is done overall, especially in corporate America and organizational settings, is that CEO would say to me, Jason, you know my team doesn't get it. They're not smart. He would five thousand reasons to offload blame, offload whatever going on to someone else. Right, and it's like trying to corral a boxer in the middle of the ring. Like you can't do it, <laughs> and, and I have nothing to counter it with. Right, because it could be true. I don't know. There's no way for me to evaluate that, so I can't push him into a corner. And even if he says okay, I'll do it. In the back of his head, he's saying, those damn people on my team, I'm going to get rid of them. So he's doing it with a lot of resistance, right? So he may buy into it, but because of the resistance, he'll get incremental benefit. He won't get exponential benefit. I'm doing it because he won't buy all in. And that's like almost every person, right? And why is that? Our brain are wired for survival. So I'm telling him at that point, you're broken. You need to get fixed. Our brain says, I'm going to protect you from fear because fear will kill you. Mm. Well, he is not going to buy in it. this half because I know because I've seen this and tested this out and it happens this way all the time. Well, if you do it a different way, you can get people to change. And how you need to do this is you need to take their historical patterns, understand what the payoff is and connect it with the current behavior and put that all together for a person. And then they make massive change and it's like overnight. Wow. And here's examples. So I just went in and asked him things like, tell me how you grew up and what was your home life like? And some other questions. And so we got to the point where he's like, well, I was one of six in my household total. And I was like, okay, well, how'd you get mom and dad's attention? And he was like, well, I had a shout out over everyone else at the dinner table and they heard me. Mm. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. It was like, and he said, Basically, you know, if I stayed quiet and waited for mom and dad to come around and ask me things, I really never felt like I got heard or or validated or when I needed, when I needed it. But if I talked over other people, then I did. Right. And he gave examples of that. So what did I, what did I learn in that moment? Right. His payoff is not listening, got me what I wanted. Right. Yeah. So I made that connection with several things as I was going through this in other parts of his life. So then at the end, I said to him amongst other things, look, you've had a pattern in your life that not listening got you a payoff, right? Well now, your executive team is telling you not listening is hurting you because they don't feel like you care and are engaged or whatever. So it's not that you're broken, it's just that you haven't recognized that pattern. And the key thing now is pattern recognition in making changes because then you're going to do well. And now the choice is, do you want to be right? Or you'd want to be happy, successful, and fulfilled. And your stress stressed to go down. Which side do you want? Well, of course, he's going to choose the happy, successful, less stressed, and fulfilled. Because why would I not that, want that? But I did right. that by basically pushing him in a corner so he can't get around it. Because he told me the information. So right. unless he's going to call himself a liar... Right. Yeah. He's going to agree. Well, then what you have to do is small changes. Right. So what changes are they? Uh, Talk last in meetings and you're one on one, ask more questions. Right. Simple things like that. You could fit on an index card that are not hard. Right. Mm. Well, what happened if 30 days like everything turned around like completely it's like night and day. Wow. And that's how fast it can go. But the problem is, is you can't attack self-awareness from the outside. Because then what people do is just resist, right? And this is what happens in the individuals. So the key thing is, is to start to understand your patterns and then you'll figure out what co- courses of action you need to take. Now, in some instances, you may need to do therapy. I don't know, right? Everyone's right. right. Yes, everybody's different. So you're gonna right. cover the patterns and what you start asking yourself is what in my life is not going great? or what in my life could be going better? What behaviors are going on? And you trace it back to the first time you ever remember something like that happening to you, right? The negative thoughts and a similar instance of that happening and those feelings and everything coming up. And you can start tracing it back and understanding what are the limiting beliefs, what are the stories, what's going on, what are the negative emotions you're feeling. And you can put all this together and then get a plan of action. And then you don't feel like you're broken. What you do is you feel like it's a new pattern and you're just changing trajectory and right. then and you're taking a lot
0: of the shame blame all that totally because it, it's, it's not, not about that right right you no, just you
1: take it you're doing it from a point of acceptance and then how can i change what's going on right not i'm bad or not that i should have done this because right. take all the, all the reality is and right. that in, in that example He didn't know what to do anymore because he learned that at a young age because that's the environment he grew up in, right? Now, if someone grew up in a different environment, they would learn something different. But neither is necessarily good or bad. You just do what you have to do and you learn what you learn. The issue is is now when you're confronted with all this stuff, you have a choice. And by doing it from the inside out, you give people a real choice to make. Not by pushing them in a corner, which is what most 360 degree reviews do or other most lot of coaching does or other things. You've got to take a therapeutic point of view, not from a therapist point of view, but just understanding someone's past and history and all the rest of this and making this all kind of come around. So
0: that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about more because I mean that, that the the self, the self-awareness piece just goes on forever. It is, it is a rabbit hole, but you know, Hey, you know, the podcast only lasts an hour or so. So yeah. yeah. But you know what though? We can always put a pin in it and talk about it more next time because uh, you're one of my faves. Thank you. Thank you for being here for the third time. You always deliver. I appreciate that. So, uh, you are at jasontroy.com and, uh, and you can go to
1: cardsagainstmundanity.com oh, cool. to awesome. go download the game, and it's all free. Yeah, and I'll
0: link to uh, that in the show notes too. Yep. How to do it all. It's simple. The download is easy. Yeah, it's. it's And its
1: setup is less than five minutes. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of information to give the to run it, give it to a manager, give it play to your
0: friends, play it with your friends. Play it with your, you an play enemies. With your
1: friends. Any group <laughs> you're in, right? Yeah. Any group of people you're in, you can play it with, and you'll see the results. So. personally you can do it i've had coaches do it i've had people do it in schools i mean you know you can do it in any possible forum so right
0: yeah i will definitely link to that in the show notes thank you jason i'll let you go all right and uh talk to you next time